Hello and welcome back to another episode of We've Never Been Clicked. I'm Cuppy Cup, and I am joined, as always, by Jimmy Guards. Hey, ya boys. And the capital J Arnold. Oh, hello. <laughs> so we're coming off of a loss at Cal Field to the uh, second ranked in the nation Clemson Tigers, uh, 28 to 26 loss with a little bit of controversy sprinkled in there. But everyone seems to feel pretty good about this. So I want to just kind of start by going around and, and getting your, your overall takes from this game. Uh, did did you get anything positive out of this, Jay? Yeah, I uh, thought the defensive line looked really good. Uh, I think Justin Matabuke and Dalen Mack had great games. Uh, obviously, there's some problems in the secondary we need to address as far as tackling goes. Uh, there was a few plays on third and long where we should have had them stop short of the line to gain and were not able to make the plays. So that's, that's one thing I, I really want to see get fixed in the coming weeks. I noticed that for the last 20 years. <laughs> uh, How about you, Jimmy? Just top to bottom, it was a great college football game. It had uh, all the turns, twists, turns. Um, you know, there were so many different ways this game could have unfolded. You know, there were missed opportunities in the first quarter. You know, in some ways it feels like it was a lifetime ago, but uh, you, you just think back to that the A&M defense was buzzing early on. Uh, Kyle Field was rocking. Haven't heard the new stadium um, even come close to being as loud as it was the other night. The defense got Clemson into a couple third and longs, back deep in their own territory. Clemson converted. So, you know, as things were going along, I was like, all right, are we are we in for a long night? Is this just going to be the way Clemson, um, you know, is this going to go their way? But there's something different with this team. I mean, I think we've, we're starting to see a, a real culture shift with the program. Um, they battled, you know. I, th I think they battled in the trenches. Clemson's defensive line, as we talked about on the last show, is absolutely insane. They were living in the backfield until – um, some adjustments were made and credit to Kellen Mond. He had to make some huge, huge plays because there, there just wasn't going to be an opportunity to consistently run the football. I mean, Jimbo, I think did a good job of keeping their defense honest, just by like, I mean, you know, you almost have to just go through the motions of calling run plays, but uh, that just wasn't going to happen because they were um, just camped out. As soon as the ball was snapped, they were, getting such good push. Uh, Mon made plays with his feet, was able to scramble, and uh, just a, what an incredible football game. Um, yeah, people are going to talk about the refs, the uh, the goal line play. That's one of the stupidest rules in all of sports. I've been on a fan on both sides of when that happens, and um, I'm consistent. I think it's a, it's a silly way to penalize an offense. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, that's the way sports goes. That's the way college football goes sometimes. I think A&M's offensive line might have gotten away with some holds on some big plays. I'm not saying that those wash each other out. But, uh, 
overall, I think there's a lot that the uh, program can build from this. You know, this is the type of game where you learn a lot about yourself. And uh, I think it's going to position this team well for um, some good games in November. Yeah, I agree. And I'm uh, on that play. The uh, was it Courtney Davis who fumbled out yes. of bounds or or through the end zone. He I'm more angry at the rule, like you said, than I am the refs on that one, because that's a impossible call, I think, to make. I would prefer they they give it to the offense and then let the boot decide that way. But that's not how it shook out. And I think all these dumbass rules in college football are what makes being a fan excruciating when they work against you. But it's also what makes watching everyone else's games damn entertaining because it's such a, a ridiculous sport with crazy rules that aren't enforced consistently. And, and that's the kind of stuff we love to, to tweet about and to complain about for weeks and, and years really. Yeah, I think it came down to human error. Just talking about that play one more time is that there was no way replay was going to be able to overturn whichever way the the refs said initially how that was going to go. What I mean by that is had they said that ball went out at the one, there was not going to be a replay that could have reversed that the exact same shot. Um, so it, it did, you know, initially go back to the the human eye and, uh, judgment and this game has been played for over a hundred years and most of it without the benefit of instant replay so that's the way it goes over the long haul it's it seems to kind of even itself out so you move on you take the l um proud of the way the boys played they really fought their asses off yeah i agree and i think that uh probably the biggest surprise for me in this game and i guess i'll take a minute to to eat a little bit of crow here you may remember I had Clemson winning this game uh, probably by a pretty thin margin or like 50 points. So <laughs> I thought AM was just going to get blown out. I thought that their defensive line was going to eat Kellen Mond uh, for what time did we play? Dinner? Early dinner? And uh, no, normal dinner. And uh, and then I thought, you know, Starkle would come in when he got injured and then Starkle would get sacked a bunch of times. And that obviously didn't happen. Our O-line held their own. Uh, Mond went for 430 yards, three TDs and zero interceptions. I think if you told me that was going to be his stat line, I would have thought you were absolutely insane. And then while I'm eating crow, I also want to be a, a negative Aggie and say that we should maybe tap the brakes a little bit because the guy that everybody likes to tear down, Kevin Sumlin, he had some amazing starts uh, to various seasons. The The South Carolina game comes to mind when uh, I think it was Kenny Hill who like lit the world on fire against South Carolina. And we were kind of anointing Kevin Sumlin as as the, the mastermind coach. I'm not saying that that's going to happen with Jimbo or with this team, but we might want to just not get what is it you say all the time, Jimmy, you don't want to get too far over your skis. Yeah, you know, just a uh, little skiing reference that all tech, Texans should be able to relate to. You don't want to get yeah, we've, too far over the skis. <laughs> we've gotten away from our skiing and hockey roots, I think, on this podcast a little too much. Yeah. But um, but I, I do feel bad. You know, it's kind of a, a bit that I do, always picking the Aggies to, to finish with five or six wins. Um, and uh, I, I genuinely thought we were going to get blown out in this game. And, and obviously, we more than held our own could have won uh, even without all the the questionable officiating. Just if, if A&M cleaned up a few things and did things differently in the kicking game, 
course, that changes the whole trajectory of the game, too. But um, it's it's nice to know we could have beaten Clemson at Cal Field because we've been complaining for years that we've lost that home field advantage. How about any is other, did you get come away from this game with any worries going forward? Were there any other than the the de- defensive backs not not tackling very well? Uh, I'm one thing I'm worried about is the explosiveness or lack thereof on the special teams. Uh, I think mm-hmm. under Jeff Banks, you had a lot of big special teams plays, and part of that was Christian Kirk, but I, I just didn't really see that out of. Uh, the return game against Clemson or against Northwestern State, really. I will say, though, I was impressed with Braden Mann's punts. Oh, hell uh, yeah. As Pat McAfee likes to refer to them, they were absolute piss missiles. <laughs> <laughs> hey, five punts with a 55-yard average is pretty damn good. Yeah. Now, I will say a couple of them were uh, low, lower punts. Uh, so uh, you, you can bet that teams are going to start backing up. Uh, you, you want the hang time on your punts to make sure that you you give your coverage team time to get down there and cover. But, uh, yeah, I thought uh, I was really impress, impressed with Braden. I thought he manned up and had a great game. Awesome. <laughs> how, about you, how about you, Jimmy? Are you worried about anything coming out of this game? Uh, I would say the worry, it's, I mean, it's just dealing with reality. It's, it's kind of unbelievable to come out of an uh, emotional game like that and realize – Oh, in two weeks we go to Tuscaloosa. So no That's rest. That's a legit worry. <laughs> I mean, like no rest for the weary. And I'll talk about it a little bit more in my picks, but coming into this weekend, um, boy, I guess I could roll this into all our segments of just like the thing I'm pretty angry about is <laughs> this is like a bullseye tailor-made letdown spot for A&M in this upcoming week against Louisiana Monroe. I don't think A&M's going to lose. I don't think, you know, we're in jeopardy of that happening. But I wouldn't expect, you know, just a sterling performance where we win 55-3 to because it's just shoehorned in between Alabama, the best team of the modern era, or best program rather, and coming off of uh, easily the most emotional game at Kyle Field in quite some time. So uh, a little bit of cause for concern there. But um, I think if we get through this next these next couple games, you know, win or lose, split them, whatever, I think it really is going to be formative for this team and the program um, as we go deeper into conference play. I think they're going to be better for it. So, um Nice. I'm yeah. So you you stole my thunder with introducing the uh, the bit for the ULM game, which is what makes you mad in advance. And I think that maybe we're all kind of mad about what you said that the, this is very likely to be a sloppier game. You know, th- this this A M Clemson game left us with a lot of pleasant surprises, and now of course our reference point is that A M's this kick ass team. So now if we come out and have kind of a lackluster performance, even in a win against ULM, that's going to kind of piss everybody off, which might be good going into Alabama week because, gosh, you hate to see people thinking that we're going to beat Alabama in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, that's not happening. (laughs) Oh, Jay. (laughs) Jay, we lost all of our credibility, though, by talking about how Clemson was going to destroy A&M. So who knows? Hey, I didn't say that. So you guys can... Our fans keep tuning in because I tell the truth. 
To that's be fair, right. Did we ever really have any credibility to begin with? <laughs> that's a that's a very valid point. And uh, <laughs> kudos to you, Jimmy. I was not exactly rolling my eyes, but I wasn't buying into uh, you saying that this was going to be an interesting game going into the fourth quarter and that A&M had a chance to actually come out of there with a win. Um, so props to you, man, for for calling this game pretty accurately. Um, I was just reminded the 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 two point conversion play kind of pissed me off a little bit. I thought it was kind of a crappy play that um, didn't didn't give Kellen Mond a whole lot of options. Did y'all have any opinions on that one? Uh, well, Jimbo Fisher talked about it in his post game presser, and originally that was supposed to be a RPO, but one of the offensive linemen, or maybe it was a tight end, missed the block on the edge, oh. and that's what forced Kellen Mond to bubble out. Okay, that makes sense. So today, I think, might be, other than losing to Clemson, we're in like this Aggie utopia where today we're getting reports of Clemson fans talking about how classy Aggie fans are and how good the experience is as a visitor. We learned that, according to Forbes, A&M is the richest college football program or the most valuable college football team. We learned the bills, y'all. <laughs> the Clemson A&M game drew like the highest TV ratings for the weekend and for this network all season. And like going back to like, I don't know, 2014 or something. Uh, it said some kind of benchmark there too. Um, and also we get to be mad at officiating. So that's like the, whatever a trifecta is for four things. We're, we're living that right now. Yeah, so it can only be full house. A full house is Aggie full house. So, um, so yeah. So prepare yourself for a little bit of disappointment against ULM. Um, how about you, Jay? Are you mad in advance about anything here? Or do you think we might blow this? Not enough I points. Think, not enough points. Yeah, yeah I, that's I think, what I'm mad about. I think I picked the under. Uh, we're picked to win by 28 points, I think, and I picked ULM to cover that. So again, we can make fun of me next week, which is a a fun thing to do when you tune into this podcast regularly. Absolutely. Not enough points, Jimmy, <laughs> thinking maybe it won't be a, a polished game. And um, I'm going to be mad about attendance. Does that work? I think that... Uh, that's you know, that's Kyle, fair. Kyle Field was rocking against Clemson in the rain, but now we're facing uh, like hurricane threats and other tropical storms and things like that. So I think attendance is going to be pretty crappy uh you know relatively speaking so i'm gonna get mad about attendance which is that actually jimmy that makes it naggy full house that's five things that we love to do um and jay i'm gonna put you on the spot since you're our resident weatherman did you have a forecast for saturday's game i actually do have a forecast for saturday's <laughs> game <laughs> Are you typing weather.com right now? No, I have a screenshot saved. Thank you very much. Wow. Uh, so Saturday, September 15th, we have a high of 88, uh, a 60% chance of PM thunderstorms. And then going into Saturday night, it'll cool down to 75 and partly cloudy, 20% uh, chance of rain. You're looking at a wind out of the east at about six miles per hour. So it should be a fun game in Aggieland if the thunderstorms can hold off just a little bit mm. that sounds lovely actually maybe after this weather report the attendance will actually be stellar if you do get rain if we do get rain in culture i would love to see people floating the creek in spence park again 
That was a oh, highlight of the <laughs> game against Clemson. Yeah, you'll have to if you didn't see it, go search Twitter for uh uh Lazy River Spence and you'll probably find the video. The uh and I didn't mean that the attendance will be good because the weather's going to be good, Jay. I meant the attendance will be good because specifically you reported it on this show. Right. That's what's going to drive people to the stadium. Mm, yes. Whether right. whether I, you like it or not. <laughs> I, and <laughs> I've got I've got to ask Jay because I do every week. Are you going to this game? No, I will be watching on TV again, taking notes and uh, maybe even cracking a few Michelob Ultras. You're not going to be in College Station either. No, I'll be in College Station. I will be in College Are, Station. You will be okay. So yeah. tradition holds. Tradition How about holds. you, Jimmy? Are you going to go, Jimmy, or do you still have a baby? Uh, <laughs> I still have a baby, so we'll be at uh, um, the headquarters in Houston in the war room. The man cave. <laughs> Watching. <laughs> That's right. I think I'll, I'll I'll be doing that, same as always. But probably watching the whole game or or the, the greater part of this game. All right, so now I'm very pleased to introduce that somehow we got Dat Win to join us on We've Never Been Clicked. Dat was in College Station for the Clemson game, uh, signing autographs and taking pictures with fans with uh, a national championship trophy from the AFCA. So let's go ahead and and we we actually, re- I'll be perfectly honest with you, we recorded this interview last week, uh, but I'll cut out all the Clemson stuff uh, so that it actually makes sense in the context of this week. That's one of my favorite all time Aggie players, probably maybe the favorite of mine. And, um, I'm just going to speak for you two and say that he's one of your favorites as well. Sure. Yeah. yeah. All right. So as I mentioned, we're here with the legend Dat Win. And Dat, first, thank you so much for being on. We've never been clicked. This is a, a huge honor for us. And, and Jay and Jimmy and I are all huge fans of yours. Thank you. Well, well, I mean, my pleasure, and uh, thank you for having me. Hey, it's all our pleasure, and we are super excited to talk to you. Dad, what do you think about recruiting now compared to when you were a player, and how do you think Jimbo Fisher's doing out of the gate? It's much more complex now where you got social media, uh, and and for us, like I was like, golly, so everybody's committed or knowing where they're going to school, guess what? They're going to sign in December. That's right. And all the good players already know. They're going to start early and they're going to go to school, right? And they're going to be midterm in enrollment. And, and February came around like, God, oh, there's not many guys left. Man, all the good ones are gone. And guess what? Jimbo Fisher and his staff pulled out a, a remarkable finish, in my opinion, for a guy that just came to A&M a few, few months. He might have been in two months or so. And now he's signing all these big names, guys. And hopefully they pan out. But we all understand about recruiting. But guys, uh, a five-star, four-star coming from California that he pulled. So, man, that was an amazing job, an amazing foundation he set for the first recruiting class uh, under Jimbo Fisher. Yeah, I absolutely agree. It was incredible to see him work. Yeah, and hopefully this year will uh, it will alleviate some of the stress for fans by signing most of those big names in December so we can kind of relax between December and February. The- 
And you, you alluded to kind of changes in the way that the recruiting process works. So I want to take the opportunity to ask you, uh, in the state of Texas, I've heard some rumblings that maybe they don't quite make homegrown linebackers the way they used to with all the seven on sevens and the, the more offensive orientation. Have you observed anything in the state about linebacker talent over the past decade or so? Yeah, well, the game has changed so much, man. I think Jay can you can attest to this. So the game has changed from a running uh, a 60%, maybe 7% running to 30% passing back then when we used to play. Now it's the other way around. It's 70% passing, 30% running in most teams. And, and when you do that at all levels, from peewee to you know, high school and, and to collegiate, guess what? You're going to lose that position because – all that position now becomes, hey, it's a strong safety playing linebacker. And then guess what? When you make it to the National Football League, hey, you line up, you better get, you better know how to get in the stands, you know how to, be, you know how to shift and shed them and, and, and get to the football. And that's the hardest thing that I have witnessed. You know, I was at a and for a couple of years under Mike Sherman coaching linebackers. And I can tell you that might have been the hardest position for me to recruit, even though I knew there were some great players. But it wasn't natural when you say, hey, everything is space. And you got to get space. You got to get athletes. But then, guess what? When they run the football, they can't take on alignment, and they can't get off the block, and they can't get to the ball. They can't make tackles, whatever it is. So that's the most challenging position, I think, uh, for anybody uh, to recruit because the linebacker position, like you said, uh, nowadays we run more of 11 personnel, meaning that three receivers, one tight end, one running back, or really four receivers and one running back, or five receivers and no running back. And guess what? You don't, want a, you don't want a linebacker in there that's 230 pounds trying to cover a receiver or a, a little running back. Yep. So, so I think that's where the game has transformed. But at the end of the day, though, I think, Jay, you can say this too. Right? You still got to win at the line of scrimmage. You still got to run the football. You still got to establish a line of scrimmage at any kind of um, uh, offense that you run. Uh, games are going to win. You, you can score a lot of points and win and beat – teams that are not that good, but when you start playing the good team, the Alabama, the Auburn, the Clemson, you better you better be able to run the football and you better really be established to 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 stop the run if you want to win. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, the SEC is a uh, still, there's a lot of spread concepts coming in, but it's still a power running league in a lot of cases. And I think winning the line of scrimmage is as big a part of the game as ever. Yeah, and that you alluded to this kind of hybrid linebacker safety position. Uh, have you have you had much of a chance to look into what Mike Elko is all about? Because he's coming in with the the four two five defense, and of course we got some views of that in week one in the opener. But but, but what are you expecting to see from Elko? Uh, not just this season, but maybe over the next few seasons. Well, you know, everything's different. I, I was fortunate to play in a 4-3, a 4-2-5, a 3-4. So I have to learn a lot of multiple defenses. Uh, I love the 4-2-5 because it's a nickel, yes, a matchup. The only thing I don't like is that you're stagnant, meaning your three technique or your shade. One technique is already know where you're at. Hey, where's my seven? Where's my nine? I can figure those guys out where when you run a head-up zero or a five technique, now you're stunt to it. Now they got a guess. Offense has a guess. So... I don't mind the four-two-five, but but I think usually when teams that are base in a four-two-five or a four-three defense always have an odd front that they kind of fall back into when they meet their the bread and butter when they do their blitz and blitz zone blitz or blitz man blitz uh, concept becomes a little bit more of an odd front where now offenses have to 
not just work on the four two five and they gotta practice, hey, when it's third down, hey, you gotta learn that's gonna be an off front, hey, who's coming, um, which outside linebacker's coming, which uh, safety's coming, so they gotta figure all that stuff out. So that's why I like about those multiple defense where hey, you gotta make them guess a little bit more than be more stagnant. But the two five you know, Elk has been he's he's been unbelievable where he's been. You know, so uh, I'm not gonna can guess what he's going to do. I, I believe that he's going to do very well. But that was just my opinion on, on teams or things that were concept-wise uh, on defenses. But uh, I think he's going to do very good. And I wouldn't doubt that he's going to have got to have to blitz a little bit more against against Clemson. And, and when you, as you move forward, now your playbook kind of have to expand a little bit more. I know there's a first game, very vanilla. Hey, guys, just get out there, make some tackles, line up, right? get your assignment right. And, and this week, though, coming up and, and leading to the season and, and as we move forward to the SEC, um, yeah, they've they, they got to have a little bit more of some kind of weapons because you've got to put offenses in a, in a bad situation, meaning uh, second and long and third and long, where it's a little bit more uh, predictable for us that no, it's going to be a pass, draw, screen, whatever, it's down distance is. Yeah, and the uh... – the other thing that I'm curious about your take on from a uh, modern perspective versus what, what the rules looked like when you were playing is targeting. And of course, I, I, I would never made it. I would never made a game. Donovan, <laughs> I would never made it through a game. Donovan <laughs> Wilson. I would made all, all the money I made in the national football league with charity. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we had a couple players ejected against Northwestern state early Donovan Wilson and o- Otaro Alaka. So, and I know I remember very vividly, watching you play and I know you uh you kind of got into some face masks with the crown of your helmet so are you what do you think of the rules though I mean there's this balance between um you know safety and the, the game of football what, what's your overall opinion there with targeting well I, I think it's a, it's a judgment call for the referee uh it's hard it's fast you're talking about mm-hmm. playing how you, it's a four second decision that we got to make right you snap the ball it's four seconds the plays last about four seconds. In judgment called by a referee, he had to understand, hey, if I'm trying to aim at the guy's chest, and all of a sudden he ducked his head and I hit him in the head, guess what? I wasn't planning to hit him in the head. They got to see it that way. And I think that's the hardest thing to do. And, 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 and fortunately, there is capable with technology. You can review it and watch it. And, and I know that prolongs the game and people don't like that. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff back then, but if you're going to call it, Make sure it's uh, legit and somebody is trying to spear somebody. But I got to tell you, when I used to play, that was the best thing about it. Man, I put my helmet in, I spear them, and guess what? The best sound <laughs> is not the big hit. It's when the, the opposing player, the running back, the receiver goes, Ugh! and you're like, yeah, I got him. You know oh, what I mean? Absolutely. It's, the air leaving their you know, body. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so that's, that's what you miss. And now yeah. guys are so tentative. You know, you go back and think about think about the, the game against the Saints and the Minnesota Vikings, the last play of the game. Yep. It's a miracle Minnesota miracle play, right? That's right. What did he yeah. do? Yeah, he, he tried to bring the show because he didn't want to just tackle him. I was like, dude, it's, he didn't try to spear him, but he basically tried to just hit him. And then guess what? The guy caught the ball. And so now you're out of control. It's almost like lunging. I think people say, hey, when you play football, do you ever lunge to make a tackle? Run through the tackle. Guess what? When you're lunging, leave your feet. Guy's a good athlete. The other guy on the other side is good too. He got a scholarship too. So if he makes, he can make you miss. But it's it's kind of funny. Uh, but it's it's hard. It's hard for the players now. I'll tell you that. It's hard for the players to go out there and play. And and it's hard enough just to go out there and compete at a high level. 
meaning that you know, you've got to be wired differently to, to play at a Division One football team mm-hmm. or at the Division One football level, right? Absolutely. And, and with the aggression, the game, the physicality of the game, and, and now you're telling me, hey, uh, I can be very passive uh, if he's jumping in front of me and I'm, I'm free safety, I'm about to derail him or deplete him, we used to call it, and now <laughs> I don't get the chance to do that. Yeah, I mean, and it's – I, I always talk about how the the game has become a lot more difficult defensively with the rule changes. Uh, I, I feel like there's a there's a lot more pressure on the defensive players to be aware of their bodies, whereas offensive players, I mean, you, you talk about how guys are ducking their heads when people come in to hit, and you're not trying to hit them in the head, but if they're if they're moving down into you, you can't help but hit them there. And so I, I think it's it's put a lot of pressure on defenses to change the way they play, and given quite an advantage to the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, I said, well, offense sells tickets. Remember, Jay, <laughs> offense sells tickets, and defense wins championships. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. At Kyle Field, defense can sell tickets, but the, uh, the I, that's true. The one, yeah, the one, yeah. Now we 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 haven't. Yeah, so it's only only a few teams, only a few teams in the country that you can say, hey, defense. No, but but that's where it's at too. It's and it's that uh, you know when you bring that mentality in and see a game and you're like, hey, we're striking fear in this quarterback. We can see it in his eyes. You know, he lines up. He's looking for you know whoever he's looking for. And you knew, hey, he, he's in trouble. Mm-hmm. And you got him where you want him. It's like it's almost like man, you about to let 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 the boys go. You know what I mean? You go go sick them. Yeah, maybe. Well, maybe the silver lining in all the the rule changes is that the the legacy of the wrecking crew will be preserved. Because everyone keeps waiting for it to come back, but with the shift to the offensive focus and all the new rules, maybe it's uh, you know we're never going to quite get back to that level. Well, only, only thing though is that I think it might come back just because the conference that you're in, mm-hmm. you know, you're Absolutely. more you're not in the you're not in the Big Twelve, you're not in the Pac twelve, so you're you're in a more physicality conference, and and maybe arguably the best conference it is in in, in the country in, in football. The closest thing to National Football League is the SEC. And I think that, that will allow you, the wrecking crew, if, if we ever get those guys back and, and, and play, and I, I wouldn't doubt that's going to be – you've got you to win. You've got to win defense. And, and Jimbo Fisher's defense at, at Florida State now, don't, don't, don't forget, mm-hmm. they were top ten quite a bit <laughs> in his tender down there. So right. he knows about defense even though he's an offensive-minded guy. Uh, that's why, why Elko's here, and he knows he wants to get the best. And – and I, I don't think um, it's far from what we assume. Yeah, it's not going to be the Bliss Brothers or, you know what I mean, the, the old wrecking crew, but, but there is a, a chance that this defense can be very good under Jimbo Fisher. Well, that you brought up uh, the SEC being the closest thing to the NFL. One thing I was always curious about, you know, I never ended up going to the next level, but what is that transition like going from college football to the NFL? Well, just think about when you went from high school to college or when you were junior high going to varsity. You know, it's a different speed. Um, but the game of football, though, at that level, the national football, it's, it's 85% mental. You know what I mean? Guys, they're going to be fast, going to be quick, going to be strong. And, and between the ears, how, how are you going to hold the plays? Meaning you're going to have a defensive player plays about 65, 70 snaps a game. Uh, how many of those is going to be an error? When you make an error, are you be able to overcome that? Uh, some guys can't overcome a mistake, and it, it derails them the whole way. And some guys just don't get it, meaning that we football is like you go to college and you play college football, just think it's the same thing as you're just football, meaning that when you go to class, 
we go to meetings and we're meeting all day, just like we do a classroom. You go to class and you, then you go to football practice. We do the same thing. We go, we, we're in class all day. We go from one meeting to another meeting, specialty meetings, office meetings, position meetings, but it's all day. Then you got to walk through, you come back after lunch, then you go, you do another meeting, specialty meeting, then you go out and you practice and you come back and you meet again. You see? Right. So that's the only thing that's different. It's like, okay, information wise, a lot of guys can't consume information or absorb a lot of information. It's, it's, it's a balance. You know what I mean? When, when you make it a career and you know it's, it's, it's tough. Right. And it's uh, and it's uh, very minimal. I think there's, I I think that I've read there's like twenty seven thousand, twenty eight thousand players ever to play in the National Football League. You know what I mean? That's not that much. Yeah. You got eighteen hundred every year. Right. And uh, every year they draft two hundred and fifty six guys. So here we go. There's new guys, but not all of them are gonna make it. You see? So how do you maintain that? Knowing that somebody's gonna be in your position, or somebody somebody's gonna take your position here. Sooner or later. And I'll tell you, when I got drafted by the Dallas Cowboys and I went up there and, and Darren Woodson pulled me aside. Darren was from Arizona State. He was a safety, converted to linebacker, or linebacker converted to safety. Great guy. Unbelievable. One of my favorite persons in the world. He pulls me over. He goes, I know you're an All-American, Dad. You just remember, you'll be a former player longer than you'll be a player in the National Football League. And mm-hmm. never resonated to me the first few weeks until I realized it. I was like, oh, my Lord. Wow. Yep. And guess what? Only I played the last of seven years. I'm already out 11. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. That's a cool story. The, uh, so you reminded me when you're talking about this transition to the Cowboys, uh, I was working in Pittsburgh for uh, several years and my brother came up to visit me from Texas and we went to a famous restaurant in, in Pittsburgh for like putting French fries on their sandwiches and stuff called Primanti Brothers. And my brother walked in with his Dat Win Dallas Cowboys jersey on and they threw us out. They threw us out. Whoa! <laughs> Man, let me, tell you, let me tell you a quick story about this. Uh, my, 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 my game against uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh-huh. All right? Yeah, yeah. So it was Big Ben, Jerome Bettis. Man, they, were, they got some, you know, Jerome Bettis might be the biggest his, his, his leg is like tree trunks. So uh, we go play Pittsburgh, and um, we play Pittsburgh, and um, we played the first series, and then all of a sudden uh, they ran a sweep on the sideline. And I'm running down the sideline, about to make this tackle. And then all of a sudden, Heinz Ward, one of the great receiver that they had there in, uh, in Pittsburgh that played at Georgia, he cleated me. Oh, my, <laughs> my feet was about six foot, seven foot high in the air. I landed on my head. And um, I was like, wow, I got killed. Right. I got derailed. You know what I mean? It was, it was one of those decleaters. So um, we Heinz played the game. And then, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he's, he, he's, 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 he's clean, but he, he's, a, he's a good player. Oh, yeah. But uh, so I finished the game. And I remember the trainer after the game walked me to my wife and said, hey, make sure you don't put, let him fall asleep. He had a, a severe concussion. Right. So. I went home, wife fed me, and, you know, I didn't, I stayed up most of the night, and the next day I go to work, right, next day, you know, Monday, typical Monday, you ask me about, hey, NFL schedule, so we go back Monday, we review the game, we run, lift, whatever it is the coach wanted us to do, so I walk in, and my linebacker coach gave me, at that time, was Gary Gibbs, who was a great coach at Oklahoma, and, and he gives me my grade sheet, and I was like, wow, they played 64 snaps, I only had one minus at 63 plus. I played one of my best games ever in the history of my career in the National Football League. And I don't remember 
two plays. Uh, <laughs> that's wild. Yeah, the uh, and I guess yeah. So that's my that's my, yeah. that's my Pittsburgh Steelers story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and after all that, they're still throwing people out of their restaurants for wearing your jersey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's cool. Thanks, thanks so much, Dad. We uh, we really appreciate your time. I know you're really busy and and having a lot of success in your your post playing career. Okay, we'll see you guys. Thank you very much. All right, that was Dat Win, more like Dat Wind. Am I right, folks? Please stop. Okay. Please stop. <laughs> and we we have just one more segment, and we keep this segment at the end of the show because it it keeps you hanging on uh, through through all of our other takes, so that you can start to make some cheddar, Jimmy. Uh, we still don't have bumper music, so you're gonna have to sing it yourself. But I'm uh, but we're gonna uh-huh. kick it. To- <laughs> Best <laughs> best. Jimmy, Jimmy for best birds. How'd you do last week? Uh, glad you asked, Cup Gang. Usually, I I like to identify three games, and so we we pick three games each week. Last week we did four because I'm uh, I'm gonna start throwing in the Ags game just as a little bit of a bonus. So on the four games uh, we picked last week, I say we because this is a this is you and me, the listeners. We're uh, Mm-hmm. Uh, we're either going to make a fortune or we're going to lose our homes together. So teamwork makes a dream work. That's right. So week two, uh, the ugly, we'll start with that first. Uh, I, I took South Carolina plus 10 South Carolina got the wheels beat off of them in Columbia by uh, Georgia, Georgia. What I thought they might've lost some pieces. Georgia looks very good. They look like they're uh, just as good as they were last year. So um my bad on that one, fam. Getting a little bit better. I had Stanford minus five at home over USC. We're going to talk about uh, them a little bit more later in this segment. A little teaser for you. Stanford uh, in a typical, boring, slow, methodical Stanford way. Uh, beat USC 17-3, to so we cashed. Back to the ugly. I took Central Michigan over the University of Kansas. The Big 12 got a massive road victory for the conference. <laughs> uh, the Kansas Jayhawks not only covered their spread, they won outright. And then uh, the Ags. I, I said Ags would cover the 12-point spread, and they did, and almost won the game outright, of course. So we went 2-2. Two two. Uh, we're 4-3 and three on the season thus far, and I've identified a few games for us that uh, – I think we might be able to sweep. So I am, I'm going to interrupt here just real please. quick to remind everyone that I picked Arizona State to beat Michigan State outright. That uh, you did. A great call. So, uh, you know, Herm Edwards had him playing to win the game. The Herm special. We, uh, Jimmy, so most listeners, if they're following you closely, will be up a Milski minus a little bit of juice. Is that accurate? That would be correct. So let's see if we're doing the the units here. I would say minus the juice, we're up about seven hundred k each of us. <laughs> so Got it. Things are pretty good. Um, that affords you one night at the hotel next to Kyle Field <laughs> on a Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, on a Tuesday <laughs> during softball season. Um, okay, week three. The game people have been talking about is, and I, w- I would normally maybe stay away from this game, but Cup asked that we break it down. 
USC is playing in Austin this weekend. Neither team is ranked. Both programs are like are very um, in dire straits, trying to figure out what's going on with their coaches. Uh, Texas barely – I mean, I shouldn't say they barely slid by, but when you only beat Tulsa by seven points, that's sliding by. Tulsa's terrible right now. So USC is traveling to Austin Saturday night when this game was scheduled like seven years ago. I'm sure nobody thought neither team would be ranked. USC is getting three and a half points. So that means the Texas Longhorns at home given about three and a half points. Now just a little tip, uh, home field advantage, generally speaking, is worth about three points. So if this was played on a neutral field, uh, I would say either be a pick or Texas uh, favored by half a point. I don't think Texas should be laying three and a half points to anybody right now, let alone USC. So, uh, family, we're taking USC plus the three and a half. I think it's going to be kind of a, a lull you to sleep football game that uh, USC might win outright, or we could be looking at like a mm, 20 to 17 final Texas winning and we cover, we cash another Milski in the bank. <laughs> Moving right along. I'll take partial accountability if that one doesn't hit since I forced you to pick it. Okay. You're, you're on the hook for half the Milski. Yeah. (laughs) Um, The next game, I think this is going to be a a fun one to watch. Hawaii is traveling to army West point, New York. Any guesses on how long a flight it is from Honolulu to New York? Mm, 13 hours. Okay. That's a little high. Nine hours. It's 10 hours. Good guess, Cup. Thank anyway, you. The second guess is my first guess. Hawaii has a lot of people's attention. They're 3-0, and uh, very unexpected. Um, they've knocked off a couple good football teams in Navy and, well, Colorado State and Rice aren't any good. So it was a surprise to everybody when uh, Army came out as a six-and-a-half-point favorite over the Hawaii Rainbows. We're taking Army, boys. Support the troops. Uh, Army, also a fantastic place to watch a football game. Gets underrated. Uh, uh, West Point is beautiful in the fall, so if you ever have a chance and you're in the New York City area, saunter up the Hudson River go to uh, uh, West Point and take in a ball game. So we're taking Army minus the six and a half points. Historically, I'm the, the U.S. Army's had some success against Hawaii, I'm guessing. <laughs> Can we go off on a jag for one second and just talk about how completely impractical it is that the University of Hawaii has a football team? I mean, it's... It's ridiculous that they travel to the mainland for six games every year, uh, you know, thousands and thousands of miles. Um, I think it's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's amazing and totally impractical. It, it puts a whole new meaning to you have to hit your way off the island. Yeah. <laughs> I used to love falling asleep to uh, June Jones offenses, putting up 60 points. Shout oh. out to Colt Brennan, right? Yeah. Tommy Chang. Oh, yeah. Um, Okay. Boys, I know this is going a little long, but I was just so excited about our games. Has anybody been paying attention to Ole Miss in their first two games? Shout out that offense, am I right? Oh, my gosh. So, (laughs) Ole Miss beat Texas Tech 47-27 week one. Ole Miss played 
Southern Illinois, 76-41 win. The game was much closer throughout. 76-41. to I'm not a math major, but that's like over 100 points. So everybody's looking, well, I should tee this up by saying Alabama is traveling to Oxford, Mississippi this weekend. Uh, I'm not taking a side here. I'm looking at the total. I think everybody's thinking this is going to be a high-scoring affair. The total is set at 71. It's a lot of points. And uh, if I know anything about Nick Saban, when a game seems like it's going to be exciting, he takes the air out of the ball, completely strangles the opponent, and wins uh, uh, by 30 points in completely dominating fashion. So we're taking the under 71. Uh, I think uh, Alabama will control this one throughout. I don't think Ole Miss is going to be able to light up the scoreboard. Alabama, once they get a 20-point lead, they might just uh, sit on this one um, and ride, ride it out. So we're taking the under. And then real quick, I took uh, Monroe and the points against the Ags. Uh, I think a and going to win, but uh, we want to cash those mill skis. So Monroe plus 26. <laughs> Very nice. I can we have one uh, editorial correction? The uh, the U.S. support of the coup against the Queen uh, on on the island of Oahu was backed by the U.S. Marines, not the U.S. Army. Mm. I blew it. I blew that historical reference. Mm.